Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Duncan Aviation Straight Talk podcast. My name is Eric Anderson, and today I'm joined by Duncan Aviation Regional Avionics Sales Rep, Michael Kuzatz, and Garmin's Integrated Flight Deck Retrofit Programs Manager, Dave Brown, to discuss the Garmin G5000 Flight Deck install in Citation, Excel, and XLS aircraft. Michael and Dave, thanks for joining me today. Happy to be here. Good afternoon. Awesome. So let's just jump right in. Dave, you and I were just talking about how 10% of the Citation, Excel, and XLS fleet has already converted to Garmin's G5000 flight deck. Why is that? Well, it uh, so we've had the STC just over two years, and there are uh, approximately 700 aircraft that qualify. So doing 10% math isn't too hard to figure out. We've sold uh, a little over 70 G5000s in the XL, XLS so far. And uh, the reason being, and it, it's going to continue on, is it's a great air freight. I mean, everybody likes it. Even the uh, higher time ones are getting this retrofit with it, and it's a way to keep life in it. If you look at it, they came out in the late 1990s is when the first XLs hit, and uh, the avionics then were great. But now once you get 20, 25 years old on your electronics, it uh, you start to have issues with it, just with uh, reliability, even though it's been great stuff, but just that long out in the field and just uh, parts availability and cost of maintaining that current flight deck. So that's a big part is just keeping that airframe going. You know, the engines, the airframe hasn't really changed. The avionics has changed a lot. So, so you take care of the obsolescence issues and it truly is going forward. You know, once you make this initial investment much, you know, less costly to maintain because mm. if things break, well, first three years, you're covered under warranty anyways. And then, uh, even if it's out of warranty, our, our equipment's a fraction of the cost for, uh, exchanges and replacements with it. So it, it really does it. And needless to say, now you get all the features that have come around in the last 20 years. So you didn't have synthetic vision back then. You didn't have detailed taxiway diagrams. You didn't have data lake, you know, XM weather. Actually, we got data link from other places too to do worldwide. You didn't have CPDLC fans. I mean, none of that stuff exists in those flight decks. So you get all those features on top of taking care of some of the obsolescence of the older avionics. Yeah, definitely. You kind of touched on it already, but what makes the G5000 so special? What are the highlights of this flight deck? Well, it's hard to say. It's uh, been out now, I don't even know how many uh, years, five, six years, but it is one of the most modern flight decks out All there. the G5000, yeah. <clears throat> with, uh, with doing that. And uh, it, it probably the biggest thing that it was uh, early on, it's got the touchscreen controllers which is kind of unique. Mm -hmm. So the actual displays in front of you are not touchscreen, but the controllers, the FMS controllers, and they sit down on the pedestal just where the old FMSs did, you know, are all touchscreen, which gives you a lot more uh, kind of accessibility. Mm -hmm. I think when you get into the Garmin stuff, things, if you know Garmin at all, it follows Garmin logic. Oh, yeah. You could have had an old Garmin GNS 430. Yeah. Uh, and you'll still see, you load approach in this, it's procedure, select approach, which approach you want to do, you know, do you want to load it or activate it? If you know Garmin, it, it does that just the same way. Uh, 
Go back to the touchscreen, though. It's interesting because, you know, as touchscreen technology came out in avionics, you know, remember hearing all that. Oh, I hate that <laughs> touchscreen. You know, the GTNs came out and, and it was funny because we, you know, you go from the 430s, 530s, G1000s to the GTNs and we had all this pushback. Oh my gosh, this is going to be terrible. And obviously that's gotten pretty quiet. Now you see GTNs in just about everything. What's been the feedback on the GTCs? I mean, as far as these touchscreen controllers, did you have a lot of pushback? I mean, right when G5000 came out? Because I didn't seem hear Not it as much. Really? Okay. I don't think so. We did a lot on the touchscreens. There are, uh, uh, well, actually when we developed it, we did a whole lot of uh, work making sure when you do a positive push on an area that you're actually hitting that. If you hit That's a bump true. and you hit double fingers, it doesn't take that as an input with it. So there was a lot of work. If your hand slides across the screen, it doesn't look like that as an input. So it had to be where you're pushing right. and it gives you good feedback. If you look at it too, the, the bezels, they're kind of rubberized. Right. So it's an anchor point for your hand. You're doing the, you know, yank your hand down. And so you yank your hand down and you got the big button pushes. Yeah. Uh, it, it does what you want it to do as far as that part, you know, yeah. you don't, and I don't, I get, I have had zero negative feedback about that oh, from operators. I think that's that important because it. I, again, that negative feedback early on with touchscreen, I think really kind of everyone wasn't sure about because we're so used to knobs button, but you're right with the GTC, you could just grab it with your hand and drive in, in any kind of truck. you look at it, when you go and you bring up our keypad, you know, you hit a enter a waypoint, it brings up a full, right, you a know, full keypad, a full keypad. Those keypad is bigger than the buttons are on your <laughs> FMS you have now. This is true. You know, and yeah, is there a time you're going to get a bump or something that slides? Yeah. Does that happen with your regular FMS? <laughs> yep. You know, the old day I've been moderate severe turbulence, you know, right. anything's going to be hard to grab at that point. But this is not going to be any more difficult. And at least you get a bigger target to go for yeah. when you uh when you But I think it. when you brought up the displays, I still think, you know, you mentioned that displays are not touchscreen. But they are such a leap forward in what the people have seen for displays because we did have just bigger displays but it was still just a small little area for the attitude and now the whole display yeah. is an attitude indicator basically yeah well it, it's it is kind of funny if you notice in the last oh almost 15 years you know when the garmin 4 or uh, g1000 came out our introduction into uh you know into the integrated flight decks with it, you'll notice those screens were uh, uh, landscape, not portrait. Right. And you go back in that era, look at the XLXLS. Everything true. is uh, was portrait on it. And I, now, again, I might have my stories wrong, but I don't think I do. That was actually a Gary Burrell thing when we were developing the G1000. Really? He goes, hey, why would you not want, because if you look at our screens, it goes, you know, Edge to edge is your attitude indicator. He's like, wouldn't you rather have this big horizon, you know, yeah. that's wide instead of this little two-inch horizon? So you, you are know. saying Garmin paved the way for the for the landscape. I go look before <laughs> go, then. You're on I'm the not record. saying that, but <laughs> I'm saying it a mass production. Type no, but thing. I mean, but you're right. I've never even heard that. But you're right. I can't think. No one else. There's no display like that that I can tell. Yeah, that's that. One. And now it's funny. You look at everything has gone landscape now. Yeah. Every new generation is landscape uh, uh, with the layout on the displays. Because it is. It's a big horizon. Then synthetic vision comes in. So it really does look more like you're looking out the window. Right. 
that's a good stuff. Pretty pretty slick. They are sharp sharp displays. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Michael, the install process is rather in depth. Um, what all does that entail? Um, yeah, I mean, you're really, I mean, you're removing the whole cockpit. Um, you're taking everything out, everything out of the nose, um, and a, the whole new wiring harness. Um, so it takes a lot of planning of what you're going to do and, and getting everything laid in. And of course it's, it's time too. I mean, you can do anything if you've got a year to do it, mm -hmm. but of course downtime is crucial on this. So planning, it's amazing how much planning we do before one of these, before we even start it. Uh, harnesses get built, parts get ready. Um, but again, yeah, it's just, it's, it's hard to believe how much comes out of an airplane to the point people have even said, like, don't show the customer the airplane when everything's out because mm -hmm. it's shocking on how bare the airplane is. Cause a lot of people look at it like, can you really put this back together? And I even go in there. I'm like, how do you guys put this thing back together without screwing it up? Uh -huh. um, and so, yeah, it's, it's just a complete removal and reinstallation of a whole new system. Yeah. I mean, while you talked about the importance of downtime, while the aircraft is in getting that upgrade, it's also a great time to combine with other maintenance events, Absolutely. paint, interior. I mean, the interior is already out. Why not yeah. upgrade? And that's, you know, we do see that. Uh, I think the Battle Creek airplane that's being done up there is getting everything done at this time. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's an absolutely perfect time to, to redo the airplane. Because just to point, you know, back to Dave, it's like everything's great on the airplane. Why not give it new paint interior? The engines are great. Um, yeah, I mean, you can actually do this whole cockpit and, and new airplane. And it is almost like a new airplane coming off the line. There's not. What's different? Oh, you know, it. uh Little different flight deck. You have the Fadec engines on the XLS oh, Plus. That's true. And uh, that's Proline 21. Okay. The generation before G5000. Right. With that. But it's, uh, you know, uh, but really when you look at XLS Plus and you look at your XL, you know, it's got a little different nose to it. It's got a little bit more thrust to it. And you went full Fadec. But okay. overall, the cabin, the wings, all the stuff, it's basically the same airplane. No, we don't want to beat up on them too much because it is a, a previous generation of avionics. But what do they get even from a plus? So say you you refurb this old airplane with G5000 versus a plus, avionics-wise, systems-wise, capability-wise, what do they get more? I mean, is there well, any – I mean, CPDLC well, – They got yeah, – you can do fans, CPDLC, uh, which we'll talk probably a little bit more about on the data links – Right. Uh, Datacom, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, synthetic vision oh, that's good uh, with it. Uh, uh, much more extensive on the way the data link weather is and the interactive maps that you have oh, with the... Oh, good uh, point. But like Surface Watch uh, system, Surface you? Watch Taxiway, which Surface Watch is detailed taxiway diagrams. Yeah. So you've actually got two things. That's actually Safe Taxi right. is our detailed taxiway diagrams and we have a thing called surface watch that enhances that so when you're taxiing along taxiway say you're on taxiway alpha it's 500 feet to a taxiway charlie i line up on a runway it tells me i got you know 7,800 feet remaining with it uh if you've got our uh option which you do want for uh for full takeoff landing data, told data, it's going to tell you if that runway doesn't have enough for the, you know, you're lined up and start to go, it's going to holler at you going, you're not making your, uh, 
number too short a runway. If you line up on a taxiway, she's going to holler at you. That's I was going to say, yeah, because I thought if you like lined up on a taxiway and you started pointing down the taxiway and it doesn't, it notices you're not going to the runway, it'll yell at you, won't it? Oh yes, she'll holler at you and say, you know, taxiway take off, a big thing will pop up. That's crazy. Same thing on landing on one. Yeah, you know which. Since this has visual approaches, along with all the approaches in it, you shouldn't ever have that happen. Because I would always line set yeah. those up beforehand. But uh, for the landing side, yeah, you look at that and just the way the uh, the taws and the terrain shows up at such a high resolution and stuff. Now, you know, I always do an example taking off out of Aspen, and when you look at it, it's just incredible the way you can see the valley and where you're going down when you load the departure in there. You know, it's interesting, though. I mean, we bring up synthetic vision. I do still think there's a lot of people in different camps on that. Like, why would you need synthetic vision? You know, it's just, and it, you know, maybe they don't fly in the train a lot. And as you and you and I both have done it, you're coming down on a, an actual approach, not quite to minimums or close. You got all your needles lined up. But literally, when you see that airport show up, that runway show up on synthetic vision, that just that relief, like, okay, I am doing this right. I am coming down. Oh, yeah. You'll see the runway, you know, uh, out there long before or outside the final approach picks. Yeah. You hit glide slope, the little green flight path marker. Yep. So, if, uh, you know, projects the little flight path marker on the synthetic vision shows where you are going. Yeah. It's so, just so, I don't know. It's these little things that the technology has brought that while it's, you know, not required, we don't have to have this, but it does. I mean, it's just one of those things is that people gotten so used to it. It's like, God, it does make flying in adverse conditions so much easier. Oh, yeah. Well, it just takes the stress out of it. Yeah, that's the big thing. You could do it. It just takes the stress you know, out. You just sit there, that fly path marker, sitting at the end of the runway when you're in glide slope. Hey, if glide slope was out or something, or your hand flying and you're a little above yeah. glide slope, what do you do? You put the flight path marker in front of the runway so you know you're going to intercept yeah. glide slope again before you get down. It's just one more thing of situational awareness. Not to mention you're looking at a map with all your, you know, data link weather. You got your traffic on it. Yeah. You know, you, you before always had, you went to a TCAS screen, a radar screen and that. Now you overlay, do the, it. overlay it. And by the way, you can do them on separate screens too. Right. You can either make one big MFD in the middle or each screen can be uh, split. Right. And it's funny because like some people just love having the chart up there. They just got to have the chart so they can see their position overlaid on the chart. Yeah. I know other guys don't like that. I'm not, I don't really like having the chart on there. I like having the moving map, but with, you know, the Excel, everyone can be happy. You can have what you're used to. Yes. That's what's so cool about it. You know, and you split your primary flight display. So co-pilot, he can go do whatever he wants on his own MFD. It's really like having his iPad over there. But the nice thing is it gives you the reason to put down the iPad. Right. Yes. That's a good point. You know, everybody, we're so used to having that up there. But once you get used to this, yeah, you don't. You, you don't. Yeah. I don't even know what the question was. I kind of was sitting there like, I feel like we need to follow up with a question, but I don't know what it was. No, no, all good. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is that not only does this add a modern look to the cockpit, um, it really adds a ton of safety features. The big one I do, I think people overlook service watch. And I, it's one of those things, I don't think people sit there like, how can I go to the wrong runway or take mm -hmm. it on a taxiway? There's obviously some terrible accidents that have happened. It does not happen often. But it is one of those things when you're unfamiliar airport, it's at night, it's raining, and you're in a hurry. And you, and I hate those where you, you've got a intersecting 
you know, downtown is like yeah. that where you've got runway one and three and they're all really close together and you're turning on. And I've had several people like, which runway are we on? And it happens. And I, I think it's yeah. overlooked on how cool of a feature that is. It is. And again, just even the safe taxi, the detailed taxiway diagram, you could go to a jet chart, do it and overlay your, you know, your picture on it. But that's north up. That's this. You just zoom in. It's part of the map. You don't do anything. And you get your. I got to throw in a plug taxiway. for safe taxi because that is um, early on. Um, Garmin had safety, safe taxi on a portable, an era, you know, the era series. And I was actually here at Duncan and there was a NetJet pilot getting ready to get in. I think it was a Citation 10 or something. And he had his Era 560. And I'm like, what are you doing with that? He goes, it's got safe taxi in it. And he goes, I go, we go to a ton of airports I've never been to. And he goes, safe taxi is the biggest godsend. He goes, you can just go to anywhere and feel like you've been there before. They give you a progressive and you don't feel like you need a whole bunch of you know, instructions how to get through it. You've got it on your GPS. So the, I just, again, that's another feature. I don't think people really realize it, how great it is until you have it. And then, then you feel lost without it. Oh yeah. I mean, it's always funny today, just flying up here to Lincoln, you know, figure I'm going to get off at Kilo. Well, that was easy because I got the right side, but right. I was looking, if I got the other side, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. you always zoom in and you go look up ahead of time. Yeah. And okay, when I land here, oh, my God. I'll expect, you know, Kilo, Alpha, Charlie, whichever. So when they give it to you, you kind of know what's expected. You've looked at it and it, again, it's all, they're in front of you. Yeah. I hate to be cliche on situational, improved situational awareness. We all say that, but that big map in front of you does. And right. again, you're seeing that on the iPad with your apps, but this is in front of you along with the synthetic vision and adding the, you know, the traffic and the weather. Yeah. It's all part of what you're doing. Uh, I load the approach in the system. First thing I do is hit show chart. It brings up the chart for the approach I loaded. You know, your iPad right. doesn't normally do that. You, you know, dig for it. You're digging for it. It's just, it, it flows nice when you get comfortable with how to, how to flow the system. And is there another system out there that has visual approaches? Is there anybody that has? Yeah, it? I think. Are there some do. out there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think the universals and things. Okay. Because that. that's, really I had fun. that scenario. It was down in the Dallas. Collins, and I, I know. Did. Okay. Yeah. There's an airport down there. I can't remember which one. It was right next to Grand Prairie and what was the one God dang, I can't remember the one right next to Grand Prairie um, but there was only an approach on one end and I remember going there at night and they wanted me to swing around to a you know it was a visual approach it was nice out but these <laughs> I was so afraid I was going to line up on the wrong runway and I didn't have because you know, normally you just load an approach I didn't have an approach over there and I, you know, and it was before the visual approaches came out. And I just now, I, I mean, because I flight instruct on the side and I tell every student you're flying at night, you load the visual in there. You just make sure you don't do the wrong. Oh, yeah. It's great because you got the glide path. You got your three degree. Yeah. You can couple to it if you want to. You know, the approaches treat like another approach, but it does give you the three degree. Even when you're doing visual, you see. Yeah. You turn on. If you don't have assay or whatever, you're right on. But I'm thinking... Now, just kind of a little bit of a cut. What other safety? Because as far as the safety features, none of the smart bias, the runway, the uh, the rudder bias, none of that's on this, is it? No, it does have a emergency descent mode. So if it's you're up at altitude, you get a rapid decompression or whatever. Oh. It'll uh, can activate automatically emergency descent mode. You got to get the power back. But why it does that? It'll take and turn the airplane off degrees. and take you down. I believe to like fifteen thousand feet. Okay. So 
you know, if somehow I don't get mask on, just got to get that power get back. power back. I mean, well, even if you don't get the power back, you're still going down. You may go a little faster. I mean, well, no, it won't no, over, no, it won't over it speed. Won't, it won't over speed. Yeah. Okay. So you go up against the barber pole, you're already cruising at the barber pole. So you got to yeah, good point. get that back, but it'll get you down to a breathable altitude. But I think the biggest thing ahead. also is traffic. The way the over, so um, overlaying the traffic on the moving map versus a dedicated page oh. um, is still, I think, a big thing where, you know, we're just not thinking about. Um, oh, yeah. It goes in well with your synthetic vision. The traffic flies in front of you, That's too. Right. And there's many times I've caught airplanes <laughs> coming up and below and exactly where they are. You see them flying across the screen. And yeah. You look out the window, there he is. Yeah. And the uh, synthetic vision. Oh, when's, yeah. Just when, the way it all ties in. When's target trend coming? You know, uh, well, you do get target trend what we're talking is on ADSB, it'll project where your airplane, where you'll intercept relative to the other traffic where you guys are going to, you know, meet up. Is that guy going in front of you, behind you, and stuff right. like that? If you have the Garmin TCAS 2 with it, you have that. Okay, so it comes XL, with XL, XLS with our TCAS, TCAS 2. 2 system on it, but that is an option with it. That's the best. I, I, I won't shut up on how great Target Trend is. And you and I have had these discussions before. Just, I mean, it takes the guesswork out of who's coming at you. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, there's no, then there is no other system like that out there. Um, and it's another thing, like once you've had it, you you feel so naked without it. Oh, it is. <laughs> it really is. So, Michael, you mentioned earlier that we're currently doing an install at our Battle Creek location. Yeah. They're also doing one in St. Paul, correct? Right. They just wrapped theirs up. So, they've done several in St. Paul. Mm -hmm. uh, we've done several here in Lincoln, and uh, Battle Creek's doing theirs, and uh, yeah, so we're getting quite a quite a bit of experience um, here at Duncan. I'm, and I kind of cut you off there. I'm sure there was a question there somewhere. No, I was going to ask <laughs> how much experience Duncan Aviation has installing the G5000. You know, and it's it's we've got a lot of experience. And what's interesting about Duncan, you know, we've got 27 facilities located uh, around the U.S., and I think. What's been the best part of it is yes, we have the you know the talent here in Lincoln, and Battle Creek and St. Paul. You know Houston's got a ton of talent down there, but you know St. Paul's not a massive facility, and so when we have these large projects, and I mentioned the whole planning for it, part of it is we have experienced technicians located all over, so we can pull from them. We've got some great technicians out of Atlanta, Houston, Denver. I mean, and go on and on, and uh, depending on the availability, like hey, we need a little help this week, and we'll get some of the best talent in, in the world on these airplanes. I was up in St. Paul for this last one that we did. You know, we had three or four, probably four guys, each person pushing 30 years of experience on avionics install. You know, and they, it's just great watching guys. I mean, because they just love the work. Mm -hmm. um, and they're so detail-oriented. And there's not a whole lot of guesswork because all these installs, there's always weird things that happen. And, uh, you know, but they've seen everything. And uh, so it's, it's just great pulling from all the different facilities. And, uh, and like right now, there's a, a, I think it's, I'll blame it on Garmin. It's probably not a Garmin squawk. But one of the, one of the G5000s has a, just an odd little uh, flag coming up. Mm -hmm. And they weren't close to St. Paul. They were uh, one of our other facilities. And they're like, hey, can you take a peek at this? Yeah, sure. You know, it's down in Kansas City. So our Kansas City shop's like, yeah, sure. We'll just run down and take, take a look mm -hmm. at it. 
So I think that's kind of one of the great things uh, about our experience is, you know, we've got technicians from all around the U.S. that have worked on these. But again, after we do the install, you can go anywhere in the U.S. to one of our facilities, and there's always someone close to you to help. Really, one of the nice things with this install, too, because it is, it is a overhaul of your avionics. Right. You really are, I know it's corny again, but zero timing your avionics with it. Right. You're, for the most part, you may leave a TCAS and a RAD out yep. in the airplane. It's pretty typical. Like I mentioned, you can put the Garmin TCAS in, you can put a Garmin RAD out in, but hey, if the ones you have are working fine, yeah, you can keep will. those. But really, the rest of the system, the core of avionics is totally brand new from yeah. all your wiring to all the systems on that airplane. And it looks like a new airplane, uh, you know, with it. And the other thing is, like you, you said, when it, you know, comes out and, you've, you know, you've done major surgery, you're always nervous of how long have you been fighting squawks. Right. Well, as you've seen, Michael, the uh, checkout on the, the the system is probably, what do you have, a week and a half, two weeks on running the checkout? <laughs> it's a book that Garmin provides. It is a very large book to go, and that's that's a good point. Um, yeah, this is definitely not something you put together and turn it on. If it works, you go. It's and, you know, But that's kind of the way things have changed in large installs. Because before it was wiring, and you had all these federated boxes and just tons of wiring going all in the panel, and tons of holes and turning system, you know, tiny box, tiny indicator on and on and on. And you were like troubleshooting just to get the stuff on. Once it was on, pretty much it worked. But now we're installing a computer. And now we have these massive bundles going to, to terminals on the computers. And you yeah. turn it on, everything works, but it's, it doesn't know what airplane it's in. So now you've got to go through computer. You know, basically our guys have gotten better at becoming, you know, IT guys, computer guys. That, you know, it's they're not loading software. Well, they are loading software, but they're not writing software. But the beauty is, by the time you go fly it, you are oh, almost yeah. guaranteed going to be squawk free. That you're not going to find something on the flight that you know, I'll say with a disclaimer that you didn't know before you took off. Absolutely, and we yeah. really haven't. Of all the ones that we've done, <laughs> I was going to say we just. I mean, there's some, and again, like I think the squawk we have is there's like a weird message flag that comes up randomly once in a while that it, you know, so we don't know if we have a pin loose. But again, if you would look at, I mean, I, I would like to guess on how many wires we, I mean, yeah. it's, it's hundreds and hundreds of wires into hundreds and hundreds of pins. Um, I mean, there are thousands of opportunities for something to go wrong. But through the checkout procedure, just like you said, once we're done. You find it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, once we get through it, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Find it. You get the airplane, it just goes and flies. But kind of back to your point with, you know, yeah, I think the original question was, you know, the experience at Duncan Aviation. And I one of the things I just thought about when we were talking, you know, and I was, of course, you know, you know name dropping Duncan and, you know, plugging our 27 facilities. On Garmin's standpoint, one of the things I think Garmin has probably better than most avionics manufacturers is a dealer network. You have one of the biggest dealer networks. There's 650 dealers yeah. in the U.S. Now, granted, someone would never want to touch a citation. But you still have a lot of Garmin-friendly avionics shops somewhere close to these airplanes. And I've gone to enough classes and understand at right. least our software and architecture. Right. And, right. So it's, you know, can, it is one of those things. It's just you guys got a dealer network that I'm pretty sure most, you know, and those are difficult to maintain. That's a lot of people to check up on and, you know, crazy things happen. And so, yeah, from a manufacturer standpoint, it's easier to just have a tiny little network. But at the end of the day, with such a big network, you've got so much assistance out there for people with 
these airplanes. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the other things too with this install that's kind of unique is because you're not taking old with new, brand A with brand B and trying to get it all to play with. At least this comes in an STC package. This wire goes here, connects to this, and it's all, you know. And I, and this, yeah, I mean, this is way off topic. I know Eric's not even going down here, but I think that's one of the, the interesting thing is, is one of the toughest parts on retrofit avionics is like, I mean, we, talk, we were talking about a 421 earlier. It's like people, you know, I people would call and say, like, hey, I'm going to put on this display, this GPS interface with this autopilot and this engine display. Yeah. I mean, from an avionics guy, it's like, oh, God. I mean, you already just feel a pit in your stomach, like, ah, how am I going to get this all to work? And that's part of the reason this install works so well with so few squawks is we don't interface to that much stuff. It's a new autopilot, new displays, new FMS. I mean, it just we, we just take out all the, the yeah. weak points. Yeah, that being said, and I have to get, because I, again, you mentioned, hey, the guys like working on this thing. And I think it does. Anytime I've gone to a shop, they want to do this because there's nothing else you can do <laughs> in a jet that transforms it right. more. I don't know any other STC with anybody on any jet that goes and gives you all new displays, all new FMSs, all new autopilot, especially autopilot. Usually the autopilot that came out of the factory on that airplane is what stays in it because doing an autopilot cert is uh, not for the faint of heart. It's just it's just a big deal because, you know, <laughs> the, the system safety on it. So I know we're talking specifically about upgrading in the Citation XL and XLS. Uh, what other models can you install this flight deck in? So it's uh, fairly limited on G5000 retrofits. It's on the beach jets. So the... Uh, uh, so beach jets can do G5000 on and the XLXLS. Uh, similar architectures are G1000, which is available on the King Airs, all C90s, 200s of that, mm -hmm. which uh, have to say has got to be the most successful by far integrated flight deck retrofit in business aviation. We're at over 750 oh, wow. King yeah. Airs have been updated. It's just, and still going strong. Did you think it would be that many? Heck no. Nobody I, I, did. So, uh, so I'll come back. So I, I was talking to, I think the guys in St. Paul. And it was, you know, we brought that up. Is like, I mean, I never would have thought uh, it would have no. been that much. But now on the Excel, and, you know, of course, you're not going to tell us, you know, what the, how many you really thought. But at two years, 70 airplanes in, is, oh, is, yeah. are you way ahead of where you thought this would go? Or kind of, is this what you were targeting? I mean, this is kind of what we're targeting. Okay. You know, and I think it's going to be like the King Air, where here we are 10 years and that's G1000, you know, still right. going strong. We've had the NXI upgrade. So we're really phase two on the uh, G1000 yeah. side of the house. But it still makes sense. And, and I hear it will too, because the airframes can be viable. Those avionics are not getting any younger than are in there. And when that airplane changes hands, yeah, you want to go ahead and get it up the way you want to last you the next five years right with the with the thing yeah. and like i said if you start adding it up yeah it's not an inexpensive install you know on paper relative to anything else you could ever do to the airplane and what's being done to it new autopilot new displays starting out uh you know in the jet world it's it's, it's probably really a really good value but it's a lot of money but that being said what you're getting the value of the airplane 
Now, again, not many of those 70 have been sold yet on the market. Right. Oh, um, right. So you don't you know, know the resale value. To know the resale value. But I will say this. There's an outfit uh, uh, down in Wichita that actually bought some of the uh, NetJets airplanes that came off that were a higher time. They put paint interior G5000 in and, and rebranded them, makes them look like their right. brand new airplane and very successful program. They were sold out in a month. And if it didn't get the return on investment, they could have put G5000 in and get the return. If but I think some of the sales of that is it. kind of getting back to the question is of the, I mean, it's not like the G5000 just came out in the Excel. It's like, hey, here's this brand new cockpit. No. It's the the OEM experience. I mean, how many how many OEM airplanes have come from the factory with G5000? Oh, gee. So you got the uh, Texron being our number one customer on right. that, you know, with the latitude, the longitude. Uh Really, the same family, the CJ3 Plus with the G3000, the M2 with it, the Lear 70, 75, are all G5000, G3000 cockpits. So, like I mean, that. that's the thing. It's got street cred. I mean, the, the system's been out there for a long time. And, and then courses. Right. So, it's not – I think that's the key is and – I, and I, I do feel for other manufacturers who come out with a brand-new cockpit and, you know, they want to get in on a retrofit basis. And it's like, it is so hard to do. It's so hard to do well. And it, it just gets in. And I think kind of the big thing is it gets in and it just works. Because oh, yeah. you don't want to be chasing squawks. I mean, the G1000 is the same thing. 700 airplanes, it gets in there. People know how to use it. King Air and it's a massive workhorse. It just oh. get in and it works. Because you guys have, I mean, it's vetted. It's You've gone through it. But again, when you find a problem, I think that's kind of the cool thing. If you find a problem... Or, and you guys are, I mean, all you sales guys are out there at the shows listening to operators. Like, I hate this feature. Like, why don't you have this? I think Garmin's one of the few that listens and sits there and goes, hey, I just, I had eight people sit there and tell me we need to do this. And Garmin will like, oh, hey, we we, yeah. need, we need to Get do that. List and, do the, and that's the cool part too, is because it's all software based with it. <laughs> You, you get those upgrades. Now, I can't say that every year we're going to open up the STC and do every new feature at once, but every couple of years, we are going to open it up. So, for example, let's look at that prior. Well, let's look at the existing cockpit that's in the Excel. Look how many upgrades have been there over the last 20, 25 years to that. that. And there really aren't any because it wasn't based on a software right. upgrade. Right. So it, it is what it is when you buy it. This is not where it stopped. What you buy now is going to be better five years. You've already from had now. an update on this. We've had two updates on this already okay. since this came out in two years. We did one where uh, we added things like again going back to safety, stabilized approach. Right. So instead of just Taz A telling you where you get off, if you you get fluctuations in speed and everything is now we're learning more and more stabilized approach how yep. important it is. We do callouts like that. We just added that feature that didn't even add any cost to the system. Right. We added uh, reactive wind shear. That was just part of the upgrade. We did a toll data, which is, we do have a enablement for the takeoff landing right. performance data, but that, that got added to it. wasn't in the original software update. Then we just added uh, recently on another update, uh, not only domestic data com, which is the CPDLC for the U.S., which most I think are going to do. Yep. You're going to hear a whole lot about, more about that in the next couple of years. It's awesome. And then uh, we did full fans 1A. So you can take this with all Garmin hardware, go fly to Europe, full fans equipped yeah. uh, with the G5000. 
And that's the big thing. And I'll get, I'll throw you another softball of all those nice. I mean, seriously, those are those are software updates that have to be thousands of man hours on Garmin's side oh between gosh, yes. the writing the software and the certifying of it. So you have all that manpower to come out with that software update, certify it. How much do you charge the dealers for that software update? Uh, so typically, I don't want to say it's always promise free for everything on there, but so far the main core software has not been at charge. You pay the labor to right. up, update. And I think it's a big deal. It. I mean, I, I sometimes I think people overlook that of the amount of time and effort you guys go for those updates. And for the most part, there's usually no charge into it. Yeah. Um, you know, we may add some pay for feature like you did with takeoff landing. Right. And, and that's fair because not everybody wants that. You know, and you got to buy that database, you know. Right. You know, there's cost yeah. to us to do that. Right. So, no, I just, I think it's a big deal that there are the software updates. And, you know, you guys yeah. continue to listen to the customers and find ways to, to improve the product at all times. So it's time to close this podcast out. Like you said, 10% of the fleet has already upgraded. Um, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? I think we rambled on quite a bit. But I think also, I mean, I think the biggest thing when I talk to customers Garmin's taken such a different model on on supporting the system. Um, you know, we've, we're used to, to insurance programs basically to support avionics systems. And um, I tried to sell Garmin's insurance programs. Flight, what was it? Flight level? Or, flight level, yeah. Uh, how, how's that program going? <laughs> uh, we haven't sold too many because the flat rate repair I know. is low enough that yeah, no, and it's funny because I can't, people just laugh at me. Like, why would I buy that? I mean, it's like the flat rate repairs on Garmin equipment and, and the availability of, of it and the, the frequency of what it never breaks. Yeah, because you do look at it. So, again, I don't know what all the existing avionics are, but I know we're less. So, so if you bought the system, this has a three-year full warranty right. on it. But once it's out of warranty, so if you had a G5000 out of warranty today, some examples, like one of our touchscreen FMS controllers, that's uh, $29.85 is the flat rate repair on an FMS controller. If it's the, uh, uh, we actually have a combined box, which has the GPS, nav, and comm all built into it. So kind of think of the, uh, uh, that one, that's $3,600 if something happens in there. And that's flat rate, right? That's flat rate. So doesn't matter. That's what you're going to pay, you know, to right. go get that uh, repaired. And we can set those up as exchanges to just do. Right. A, that's uh, a higher, slightly higher price, though, wouldn't it be? Slightly higher, but not that much. No, I didn't think it was. Yeah. It's hundreds more, not thousands more. Right. Oh, things like a uh, air data computer, 1850 bucks. What's the most, ex- okay, so what's the most expensive thing that breaks? What's it going to cost? Probably our primary displays. Okay. On that, and today that's like sixty seven hundred dollars for a display. But and, and these displays too are smart displays, totally different than what you had before. Before you had like it was basically a CRT TV tube, right. and you had the file server that was generating the image for it to what right. you put up there. These displays actually are smart displays. So all the maps, the charts, everything are internally separate, all three displays. It's almost triple redundancy in it. You don't have one part generating the image to it. Right. So these are a computer in themselves with a display. Nice. 
Yeah. So, that, I mean, I think that's a big thing is when people, when they're going forward, supporting older avionics does just get more and more expensive. Um, and, you know, not to their, I mean, Garmin old avionics, they start breaking after 20, 30 years, they start breaking down. All manufacturers go through this. And this is what they're facing with the Excel. If they like the airplane, and it, it, that's just, it's that, it's the airplane that just does what it needs to do. It's like you said, yeah. it's the workhorse. The avionics right now are starting to cost more and more. Downtime starting to become a factor. And it can be frustrating. So then you do look at, the, you know, they get to the point. It's like, okay, you can look at the insurance programs to cover our costs. Or can we just start over? Um, and that's from our perspective. That's what we're seeing. It's just like we're going to keep the airplane. We want the yeah. safety benefits. Um, and, I mean, it's a well-proven system out there and all the other airplanes. And, again, a lot of us pilots have grown up with this. Um, we, we really understand the system. So when they, if, they, if they're not a ProLine 21 aficionado or Honeywell Primus and they've had Garmin before, it's like, ah, oh, I just want to go back to Garmin. It's just easy. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, and one last thing, too. Uh, Wichita, there actually is a full level D flight safety simulator. That's for training on this. Yeah, and that's a big thing because I think I think that was kind of hard in the first. Early on, you didn't have a sim for it, so I think a lot of people were reluctant to, to upgrade because they wanted to get into a sim. But now that's taken care of. Yeah. So yeah, now they can. You're having the program. We yeah, so they can get sim. they can get type rated in a G five thousand sim. Yeah. Do all your recurrent fly what you uh yeah you know, train Perfect. what you fly yeah. So I think, I mean, I think with all that, I, think, I know we've rambled on quite a bit here, but um, I, it's, I didn't realize you'd hit 10% so fast. Um, I, just, I thought it would take longer to do that. And uh, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, in the next two years, which what your next percentage will be. Oh, yeah. I think it's on a steady course. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, Michael and Dave, I th think you guys covered most everything there is to know about the G5000. But if you guys still have questions or want to learn more, we have a ton of information out there. So I'll put different links to podcasts, webinars, press releases in the show notes of this podcast. Um, I'll also put Dave and Michael's contact information. So if you guys have questions and want to learn more, um, feel free to reach out to them. They'd be happy to help. Perfect. Thank you guys for being here today. Thanks, Thanks Eric. For great information. Thank you. Appreciate right, it. Thanks, everyone.